Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. First and go at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back! Super Bowl champions. 25-22, the final in overtime, just the second overtime game in Super Bowl history, and that is how the 2023 football season came to an end. The best player in the game delivered in the biggest moments of the game, Patrick Mahomes with another Super Bowl MVP as the Chiefs win the Super Bowl for the third time in five years and set themselves up with a chance to do something that has never been won, and that is three-peat in the NFL. Good Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at Pearl River Resort. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Learn more about everything that's happening at C Spire online at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired that clip from Westwood One. That was Kevin Harlan on the call. It was really good. And Kevin Harlan did something really good? No way. Yeah, he's he's pretty pretty good at his job. Uh, what a game. Although, for the first 30 minutes, it was kind of ho-hum. There were some really good defensive moments. Uh, there was a good kick in the first half and not a whole lot else. And then the third quarter was pretty good. And then the fourth quarter and overtime delivered in a way that is script writers, you know, I don't know if they dreamed that one up, but it was uh, it was pretty fantastic. Hey, Dad, I'll tell you that the NFL is rigged. No, he won't. He's all about that. He, he will not tell you that. <laughs> I think that's a discussion that you guys had in detail one day when I was off, but I happened to catch some of it on the air, and Hey, Dad was like, wait, 
you mean to tell me that this and this, ah, just whatever. There's a couple guys on the text line that were just convinced that uh, all of this is some special operation. Anyway, your point's a good one, though. It's... We are with. I've got Chiefs fatigue. I said that before the game. I'll say it after. I, I want to see somebody else have success. But in the meantime, Patrick Mahomes is on a level. He is on a path that has only been graced by one other player. The only thing that's stopping Patrick Mahomes is longevity to, to catch Brady. That, that's the conversation he's in already. At 28 years old, he's got more postseason wins than Peyton Manning. At 28 years old, he has tied the number of Super Bowls that Troy Aikman has. He's 6-for-6 six six in AFC championships. He has three Super Bowls and was the MVP in all of them. Was 8-for-8 eight eight in overtime with two runs for first downs as well. You, you doubt him? You guys don't. But just you doubt him and he proves you wrong. You think that the Chiefs are down and they're not. You think that the 49ers are playing better because they are until they're not. That dude is just special. We are witnessing special greatness, whatever adjective you want to use to describe something abnormal. That is Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position right now. He could retire at 28 and be a first ballot, no doubt, unanimous Hall of Famer. You said the only thing that's stopping him is longevity, but he doesn't have to play for 20 years if his career continues on the arc that it's on right now. He's only got to go seven more seasons to tie Tom Brady with six Super Bowl wins. I mean, if you're going to win three of them in seven years, and by the way, he only started one game in his first year in the league, we're talking 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. And he has three Super Bowl titles to his credit it is just incredible. And I don't even know that he played that well last night. I mean, he, he was he was fine. He threw for over 300 yards. He had the one interception, which was the first interception that he had had in the playoffs. And then you go, wait, hold on. We're into the game. They need a, a drive to score to either tie and send it to overtime or win it in regulation. Yeah, I'm not betting against him. And then when San Francisco, hey, Dad, kicks a field goal in the – Beginning of overtime and Patrick Mahomes gets the ball. I mean, are you are you betting against that guy at that point? Uh, I'm not. Yeah, he's in that Brady zone now. I don't bet against him anymore. Yeah, there will be no betting against Patrick Mahomes for me going forward. I mean, it's kind of like when Nick Saban was at Alabama. You're like, why would you pick anybody else to win the West? Why would you pick anybody else to win the SEC? Because odds are you're going to be wrong. Now, occasionally, you would have been right if you picked somebody else. But for the most part, you were going to be wrong if you bet against Nick Saban. And it kind of feels like that with uh, with Patrick Mahomes as well. Um, in seven years in the NFL, and these are just regular season numbers, he has thrown for over 28,000 yards with 219 touchdowns and just 63 interceptions. Those are only the regular season numbers. His playoff numbers, if you're curious, in six years of playing in the playoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 5,135 yards with 41 touchdowns and eight interceptions. 
Those are his playoff numbers. It's and he has a 15-3 and three record as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, one more. Like I said before, one more win in the postseason than Peyton Manning. Now he has passed Peyton Manning in playoff wins. He's 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said it, and you're right. He was not good. The Neither offense was particularly good, but he was not good. I mean, that interception, my gosh, in the third quarter was awful. And then when the lights shine the brightest, he played the best. You, you've got the, the stats nerds, who I appreciate and like. I, I like part of analytics' inclusion into football. I think that there is room for the nerds in sports. But they like to tell you that clutch isn't real. That clutch is not a thing. That it's all just, you know, players and and odds and all that where it just kind of happens that way. They like to tell you that. It's a weird deal. Because Patrick Mahomes was not good last night until he had to be good. And when he had to be good, he was great. Yeah. when he, I mean, when he got the ball in overtime... When, when it was their possession, and you could have bet me literally anything, and I would have been like, yeah, he's here, and they're getting a touchdown here. I mean, there was never there was never a second of doubt in my mind. He, he's at that level. He's that level of athlete. He's that level of athlete that when – because I, I agree with you, Borky. I, I do believe that clutch is a thing. And there are just some athletes who have it and some don't. And Patrick Mahomes has it in spades. He so does. Calm. I mean, his demeanor on the fourth and one, right? They they had to get a first down or else they lose the game. You would have thought it was week two, second quarter. I mean, just like the the way he moves and carries himself. There, there's never uh, the the field goal drive that that tied the game. Yeah, they're moving a little bit faster because they have to because the clock is ticking. But uh, like, do you notice his demeanor? Game on the line. Super He's not Bowl. moving faster. No. He's not moving faster. It's just it, it, all good. You know, if you're you're my age, you remember the story of of Joe Montana. Hey, there's John Candy over there. You know, yeah. You remember that story? I, I guarantee Mahomes is pro- could probably the same guy. He's probably looking around. He's like, oh my god, that's so and so over there. He, he's the same guy. They're the same kind of guy. You just have it or you don't. And it's hard to quantify. Right, I mean, we, we we live in the age of analytics, and there's a number for everything and a formula for everything, and this is what you do in this situation based on this happening, and yet there's no way to quantify Borky's word, clutch. There's no way no. to quantify cool other than the eye test. Right, we, we, we turn our back on the eye test because it is subjective, it is not objective, and yet... The eye test shows you exactly what you're talking about. There's a way to quantify it. Who's got the rings? Mm. It's an interesting point that you bring up. The clutch. It, it is. It is an interesting point that you bring up. Borky used the phrase just a second ago. Plays the best when the lights shine the brightest. There is something that happened last night that caused me to believe something else should happen in one year. I'll tell you what that is when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV with you in the Pearl River Resort studio.
the Venable... Gentlemen, ladies, I have an announcement to make. Sports Talk Mississippi with Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky is back. Super duper. Thanks. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations, we are glad to be with you. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. So, Patrick Mahomes is now a three-time Super Bowl MVP. Borky pointed out that he had played in six AFC Championship games. They have a 4-2 and two record in those AFC Championship games. He has a 3-1 and one record as a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. The one Super Bowl that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lost was to, hey, Dad, who was it? To, to, to whom did they lose? Oh gosh, who did they lose to? It's a very the, low-hanging uh, fruit. Don't yeah. overthink it. Yeah, that, don't outthink the room here, bud. Three years ago, four years ago, it would be Tom but Brady. I don't remember Tom Brady and oh, the Tampa okay, Bay Buccaneers? Yeah. Okay. So that is the one loss yes, that Patrick Brady has. The who was to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Are are we all in agreement? That, that Tom Brady is the best ever? There's no debate. Six Super Zero Bowl debate. championships. And are we in agreement that there is a chance that Patrick Mahomes gets to that level? Yes. Seven, by the way. Six with just the Patriots. I'm Got sorry. Six with, with the Patriots. The seventh was with Tampa Bay. My apologies. And he played in ten total, right? Ten total Super Bowls for Brady. What well, lost two? Lost two to Eli, and that's no, it's nine, I guess. And right, he only lost two to Eli, correct? He lose somebody on, else on Thursday night at the NFL Honors Awards in Las Vegas. The 2024 Hall of Fame class was announced. Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis. And then Randy Gratishar and Steve McMichael. Really good class. Really, really cool to see Patrick Willis inducted into the Hall of Fame. Had to wait a little while. And there are a lot of players that have to wait a little while before they hear their name called. Based on what we talked about just a second ago, the clutch gene, Mr. Cool, the ability to slow down and calm down when everything big is going on around you as we look at Patrick Mahomes. As we think back to the career of Tom Brady, there is something that became, to me, abundantly clear last night and this morning as I continue to think about it. And that is one year from right now, Eli Manning should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot. He should not have to wait. 
He should not have to wait for the voters to decide, okay, now he has served his time. Yeah, but Richard, his career. No, 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 no. We have just quantified that the best quarterback in the history of the NFL and a guy who is perhaps on his way to being the best quarterback in the NFL, best have ever done it, coolest in the biggest moments, and there's one guy that has two wins against one of those quarterbacks on the biggest stage there is. And here's the thing. It's not just the two Super Bowl wins. Because you could argue that the NFC Championship game performances that got those two Giants teams to the Super Bowl were actually better than Eli's performances in the Super Bowl themselves. The cold, cold, cold game in Green Bay, and then just the the demolition derby that the Giants ran over the 49ers in the final game ever at Candlestick Park. Maybe it's a controversial take. Maybe you think it's. It, I, I'm off base on this. But I was trying to think, that how, how, do, how do we come with a local angle to last night? And it's like, these guys don't miss. Tom Brady doesn't miss. Patrick Mahomes doesn't miss. The only time he missed in the Super Bowl was when he faced Tom Brady. And yet you've got a guy who beat one of those two twice on the biggest stage with the brightest lights. Eli Manning should be a first ballot Hall of Famer when they announce it next year. Disagree? I mean, first ballot is such a hard thing sometimes. I, I don't disagree that he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, two Super Bowl wins, the, the stats that he put up in his career, he's certainly a Hall of Famer. I don't know that he'll be a first ballot guy, but... I mean, if he gets in on the first ballot, I'm not going to be on this program going, that's a that's an outrage and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Borky? No, I'm with you. I think if you're a Hall of Famer, then you, you get in when you are eligible. I, I, I hate what baseball writers do. I, I can't say it. I think that's so goofy. It, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. If you think the person's a Hall of Famer, vote them in when it when it absolutely is their time. Uh you know, Willis was kind of controversial. We talked about that a little bit last week. There was some debate about whether or not his career was long enough to justify a, a Hall of Fame inclusion. He was uh, the most dominant linebacker in the game for the time that he played. Yeah. It, six years? Is that right? Or was it eight? He was just six, wasn't it? Was it? Eight with seven All-Pros, right? That may be right. Maybe it was eight years. And he kind of fought injuries the last couple of years. Mm. But there was a there was a five, six-year window where he was unquestionably the most dominant and the most feared linebacker in the game. And he had his numbers backed it up. Yeah. I was so excited to see him get in. Speaking of that and, and trajectories and stuff like that, you can't look at the stats, but uh, Chris Jones played like a Hall of Famer last night. Yes. He, he was... Well, Christian... He will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, they're, 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 he's getting to that point now. The number of all-pro teams he has been on, Pro Bowl teams he has been on, and the fact that he's now had, won his third Super Bowl and the anchor of a defense that's won three Super Bowls. I mean, as great as Mahomes is, you know, the, the, the defense made plays. And Chris Jones last night made plays that, that got them to that point. So, yeah, Chris Jones will be a Hall of Famer as well. Yeah. And, and you're right. The, the stat line, I mean, it's it's four tackles, two solo stops for Chris Jones last night. 
if you had Chris Jones over half a sack in the game last night, you were disappointed because he didn't register that sack, which he has done in previous Super Bowls. But, yeah. And I think there were a lot of people that have no ties to the state of Mississippi or aren't Chris Jones fans because they watched him wear a Mississippi State jersey for three years in college. They're just like, that guy's a bit, like, they're like, best player on the field. Certainly the best defensive player. I'm just, I shudder, I shudder to think what the numbers will be if the Chiefs don't re-sign him. What kind of contract he'll be able to, to command. So, Mahomes is the MVP, deserved it. Everything that has been yeah. said on this show since the show began, absolutely justified. 100%. If Chris Jones was a above average defensive lineman, as opposed to Chris Jones on that team, do they win the game last night? Everything else is the same. Replace, replace Chris mm. Jones with not Chris Jones. With Sh- uh, Sheldon Rankins. I don't know. Just, just, uh, uh, Sheldon Rankins. God. <laughs> a, a lesser defensive tackle. Good, but not great defensive tackle. Do they win that game last night? Maybe because you, you, you've still got Patrick Mahomes on your team and there were a bunch of other really good players on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, th- does removing Dre Greenlaw for San Francisco, did that change the outcome of the game last night? And I'm not, what a terrible I'm not try- injury that was. My yeah, goodness. it was awful. I'm not trying That's to say awful. Dre Greenlaw is, is Chris Jones. Please m- don't understand me. But taking one guy out when you've got an entire unit that is playing as well as they did. I thought the corner play last night for Kansas City was incredible. I mean, how many times did you see that corner full arm extension, bats the ball away, just perfect positioning and play? Yeah, Spags is great. I mean, the, the the teams that they had to beat to win this Super Bowl. Which, real quick, he was awful in New Orleans the one year he was there. I have no idea what happened. He was terrible. They beat, but it held them to seven points. I know what the weather was, but whatever. Uh, Tua in that explosive Miami offense. Then they turned around and go to Buffalo and beat Josh Allen. They turn around and go to Baltimore and beat Lamar, the MVP, and obviously beat the 49ers in overtime for the Super Bowl. That is as legitimate of a run. I mean, there, there's never any doubt with who wins the Super Bowl as who's the best team. That's just how it works. But, buddy, there are no doubts, questions, or anything about this one. What a run that is. Uh, C-Spire text line, Chris Jones is the reason San Francisco didn't score a touchdown in overtime. Watch the play. The wideout would have scored. You, you may be very, very right and, and put huge pressure on Purdy. Huge pressure on him when it mattered the most. And I feel like when you watch Chris Jones in big games, like when he gets a sack, it happens in the fourth quarter. Like it happens at crucial moments. It's like he doesn't really get meaningless sacks. Most of his sacks are very, very meaningful. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky is back. I'm all ears. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. Telephone. I was 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, talking Super Bowl and some uh, storylines that go along with it. And pertaining to our conversation just a second ago about Hall of Famers, we got a uh, we got a message on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. A couple of messages, actually. One asking about how many um, players from Ole Miss were in the Hall of Fame. Um is Patrick Willis the first? No, you've got Bruiser Kennard and Gene Hickerson, who are Pro Football Hall of Famers. And then Patrick Willis, the first of the modern era. Um, the school in the state of Mississippi with the most Pro Football Hall of Famers is Jackson State. With Lynn Barney, Robert Brazil, uh, Walter Payton, and Jackie Slater. Uh, Ole Miss likely will tie Jackson State, if not next year, in the next few years when... Eli Manning, I think we all think ultimately will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. You guys know it's uh, not if it's when for him. I mean, the, the career numbers are just there. Yeah, plus two Super Bowl titles with MVPs. That it's just good enough. Yep. There was one person. Uh, I actually thought I might get a little bit more pushback on this, but one that said, "Not saying Eli shouldn't make the Hall of Fame, but you're conflating." and piecing facts together to make him a first-ballot Hall of Famer. No, I understand that, and, and I get that it's not like a straight-line conversation. But I, it just kind of popped into my head this morning. And it was like, okay, if these are the two best to ever do it, and I know Terry Bradshaw's got four Super Bowls, and we can have a conversation about Joe Montana, and we can have a conversation about Troy Aikman if you want to, or Steve Young if you want to, whatever. But three Super Bowl wins in five years for Mahomes, four Super Bowl appearances in his six seasons as a starter in the NFL. And Brady did have one other Super Bowl loss. They lost to the Eagles. I think that's the one where Giselle had her meltdown about my husband can't throw it in, catch it. That's correct. I remember yes. correctly. Yeah. So he was 7-3 and three as a starter in Super Bowls. And hey, there you go. He didn't miss many shots. He had a 70% winning percentage in Super Bowl games. Tom Brady did. And two of those losses are to one guy. I just, to me, the Hall of Fame is about greatness. It's about accomplishment. And what bigger accomplishment is there than leading your team to multiple Super Bowls when the rest of the numbers back everything up. And it enhances the data point. Or it, yeah. it enhances the argument. I think it's its own data point, though. I mean, like, can you get there without a Super Bowl championship? Yes. But it's more than just a footnote if you win one. And if you win two and you're twice the MVP, all of a sudden it's the leading data point in my mind. And then you're like, okay, so he did that. What else did he do? Oh, well, he also threw for uh, 57,000 yards. He also has 366 touchdown passes. He also completed 60% of his passes for his career. Okay, that's enough. That's good. Just put him in. Career playoff record of 12-12. and That's not right. That's not right. Career playoff record of 8-4. and 
That's what it was. Did not play in 24 games. So Would have been something. Um, uh, I love throwing a trivia question at you guys. Hey, Dad, do uh, you know the two universities with the most representatives in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Ooh. Yale. Um, it is not Yale. Penn State? Uh, no. Uh, the Pennsylvania USC? State University has six. USC is one of them. USC. Uh, it's not, it, Notre it's, Dame. It's, 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 is it? Notre Dame yeah, is the other. That probably is correct. Yeah. There you go. You, you both of them with 14. Yeah. They used to be really good at football. football. It's before all of our times, but Notre Dame was a powerhouse. They were. They, back, uh, when, they were. The, back when your TV picked up three channels and it was in black and white. And one of those three channels always had Notre Dame on it. That's right. Uh, five, five, five universities have double-digit players in the Hall of Fame. Notre Dame and Southern Cal both with 14. Michigan with 11, although a lot of Michigans are not players. And then Ohio State and Pittsburgh both with 10 Pro Football Hall of Famers. But, like, you look at Michigan and you're like, um, Ralph Wilson Jr. has... An inductee into the Hall of Fame, the uh, the late owner of the Buffalo Bills. So, anyway. Um, Good stuff. We haven't talked yet about uh, the Kyle Shanahan decision at the beginning of overtime. So, we, we, we talked about Tom Brady, and, and that, that's a good person to use as an example. What makes we also Tom... haven't talked about the fact that George Kittle had two catches for four yards. Yeah, and then Holy hurt moly. his shoulder there way at the end yeah. of the game. That didn't impact anything. But uh, what makes Tom Brady great? It's certainly not athleticism. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not a poor athlete. But it wasn't his athleticism. wasn't his agility, speed. Had a really good arm. Not the best. It was his attention to detail, right? That's what made Tom Brady great was everything. I mean, he scripted every minute of every day of his life to make sure he was in peak athletic performance. Attention to detail is what separates him from everybody else. It's that way in coaching, too. I mean, I've never played a snap in the NFL, but I listen to enough interviews and read enough about what goes into preparing and game planning that the difference between teams and coaches and players is detail. Who's the most prepared? The most prepared will win the game because they're so evenly matched. Last night, the 49ers took the ball to start overtime. And the initial thought was maybe they're doing that to keep their defense off the field. But we learned after the game that 49ers players were unaware of what the postseason overtime rules were. They're different than the regular season. Slightly, but they are different. And even if Kyle Shanahan knew what they were, his players didn't. Now think about that. And compare that to the Chiefs, who all the way back into training camp were not only doing overtime prep, but they do, they were doing separate overtime prep for a regular season game and a postseason game. Everybody on the Chiefs knew exactly the difference between overtime rules and regular season rules, or excuse me, postseason rules and regular season rules in the overtime. And they knew it because they practiced it all the way back in training camp while the 49ers players 
were learning about it when they projected it on the Jumbotron during a timeout in overtime. Please please say I if you knew exactly what the overtime rules were going into last night's game. I, I knew. I didn't know. I did not. In fact, we were, at a, we were at friend's house, Super Bowl party, and I was like, wait, what did they say? And we, like, paused it and rewound it, and I had to listen to the official again. And i got to be honest with you, even when the clock was running down at the end, I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, like, I applaud the confidence, but there's only six seconds left. Like, snap. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. It would go to a second overtime period. But I was like, you need to score before this one ends. And I was like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, no, I was, I was not completely aware. But you are not a, a head coach and you are not a player on the field. It's okay that you didn't know. But, but that, that difference is why Andy Reid's got multiple Super Bowls. That's why the Chiefs are where they are. <laughs> and that's why Kyle Shanahan, as brilliant as he is, an innovator, an offensive innovator who's sending one of his assistants to New Orleans, and I'm thrilled about it. But that attention to detail, that lacking attention to detail, shows you the difference between the two. Yeah. 49ers players didn't know. Well, and the Chiefs the players have been practicing it since training camp. There's your difference. Also, and, and I mean, it also tells you in training camp what the goal was and the expectation was for the Chief. When we get to the Super Bowl, this is something we have to be prepared for. Yeah. How many teams are doing that? They're like, you know, hey, the road to Vegas starts now, or the road to New Orleans starts now, you know, whatever. But I'm talking about, like, in everything you do, hey, this is in preparation for that moment that comes in February. Ceasefire text line, overtime rules aren't that much different, right? No, they were pretty significantly different. They were different enough to make taking the the ball a problem. in, In the regular season, if the team that wins the coin toss and receives the ball scores a touchdown... The game is over. If they kick a field goal, the opposing team gets a possession. But last night, they said to you, playoff rules, because it's overtime, both teams will get possession of the football, which makes at least the beginning of overtime a whole lot more like college where you always see teams want to go on defense first But NFL teams are programmed to say we want the ball in overtime. And now we have a special surprise for everyone. Give it to me. More Sports Talk Mississippi right now on Super Talk Mississippi. We don't do bad beats here. We, we don't do that segment. That's Scott Van Pelt's territory, copyright infringement, all that thing, all of that. But there's a bad beat that we need to talk about from last night. The over-under on rushing yards for San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy was 12 and a half. He had 13 rushing yards. That is an over. And then on the final play of regulation, do you know what he did? Took a knee. He took a knee and lost one yard 
And that became an under. It's not the first time that that's happened. Patrick Mahomes had that happen famously a couple of years ago. Um, where he like went way back and took a knee two or three times. Should taking a knee not be categorized as a team rush as opposed to taking yards away from a quarterback? Nah, I can't. I mean, because yes. who cares? Clearly you did not get to take a bad beat on that, hey, Dad. I, I didn't, but I'm, I, just, I just I can't get too worked up about it. Like, I understand why we don't, you know, the whole sack shouldn't count as rushing yardage. I get that. But what I don't get it, this one is just about betting. There's, there's no, there's no, no one cares. Yeah. But how many, think about it, how many yards in a career does a quarterback lose from taking a knee? Uh, a few. Most of the, you know, prior to the year, you know, 1996, nobody cared about quarterback rushing yards. Quarterbacks yeah. didn't run the ball. They didn't care about it. Yeah. Hey, that would have made a killing on props if, if we'd have uh, actually bet the props oh when we went gosh. over on Friday. We had them all right. We had them all right. I mean, Killed it. you guys took heads Next on the year we're going to keep a track. I, I would have lost that. Would have lost that, but over. You had over on Reba at mm-hmm. 90 and a half seconds? It was under till she went the brave the second time. I know. I had a feeling. Well, maybe she uh, slapped a little coin on it. Well, I mean, maybe so. But, I mean, we did ones like, would Taylor Swift be donning Travis Kelsey's number anywhere? And throughout the whole game, you you thought, no, it was on her shoes. shoes. Well, and she also had a diamond necklace on that had an 87. Well, see, there it is. So, I mean, won that one. The overall longest field goal kicked in the game, hit by 10 yards. It was mm-hmm. a Super Bowl record, followed by a Super Bowl record. Yeah, it was it was broken three times, right? Like the, not, the record wasn't broken, but it, it wasn't the record was broken. It was your over the, 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 the over the, the over would have hit three times. There were three field goals longer than forty five. That hit the whack. There was a wacky play prop. Yep, like a double pass that would have hit. hit. McCaffrey scores a touchdown would have hit. That was an easy one. SpongeBob makes an appearance uh, on the main feed. SpongeBob, hit. yes, correct. The, the two correct. easiest props, I thought, that were available were George Karloftis over three and a half tackles. He did that in the first quarter. And Usage over half a catch and over four and a half receiving yards. Also, on the second play of the game, those hit. Yeah, cash it. I mean, it just felt like those were two that were like, oh, this is, Carl Offense has been playing really well for them. And he did last night also. And usage has been pretty significant part of their offense in the postseason. I thought those were easy. There were a couple of other ones that I thought were pretty easy that did not end up cashing and uh, and kind of went the other way. Did um did Bruce have any props that he loved on Friday? Oh, he didn't work out on Friday. He he texted me and apologized. He had been oh, at okay, some Bruce. conference in Switzerland or something, and I told him I would pass along his apologies. Yes. Would hey, you care to on? share? Injury time uh, winner for uh, for Chelsea. Yes. Oh. 
This is Champions League stuff too, right? No, no, this is just Premier League. Oh, wait, they didn't make that, did they? They did not, no. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Borky, have you ever seen Hey Dad get as excited about anything we talk about on the show as he is a Chelsea goal? No. They don't even live in this country. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In what world do people get excited about talking about things versus live sports? I mean, that's like saying if I was watching a Mississippi State game or a Saints game right now and something happened, I would have the same reaction. Versus, do you not love your job? Awesome topic we got here. I love my job more than anything other than my own family. But well, maybe you should I mean, get a little more excited about your job. I'll tell you what, then you 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 wanted it, you got it. I can't wait for the next segment. Nor can I. Winners and losers. That's how we will start the four o'clock, uh, the four o'clock hour. Let's go! Yes, yes, that's the enthusiasm I'm looking for from you. Ceasefire text line, you also can be a part of winners and losers. Yours from the weekend. They don't just have to come from the Super Bowl. They can come from anything you saw this weekend, like Mississippi State's dominating basketball win at Missouri, like a golf tournament that was full of highs and lows this weekend out in the desert, or anything else that you saw. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Winners and losers when we come back. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk, Mississippi. Super talk, Mississippi. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Clown, that was not me that responded to your message. That was somebody else. So you can just take your little, your pithy little comment and, uh, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Eh. Eh. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, courses that you can play. Spring is just around the corner. We we have made it to the opening week of college baseball. That happens on Friday of this week, which means we got a first pitch time and everything. That was going to be my winner. we got a first pitch. Still no roster yet. As of 10 o'clock this morning. but We're working. Hey, baby steps. Yeah. Only four days left. So, yeah, spring is around the corner. Go ahead and book your time, your tea time at uh, Dancing Rabbit, dancingrabbitgolf.com, part of Pearl River Resort. Uh, C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. It is time for winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never wins. 
What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? There is plenty, plenty, plenty to choose from. Ryan, hey, Dad, you have the honors. Let's do this. All right. I'm very excited because mine is going to make people upset, and I, I like to agitate. So my winner is Taylor Swift, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. My daughter, Emily, likes football about as much as I like Taylor Swift's music, which is to say not really at all. But she sat on the couch and watched every play of that game yesterday with me. She asked a lot of questions. A lot of them made me laugh because she had no basic knowledge of the game. But we watched the game as father and daughter together for the first time in the 14 years that she's been on this planet. She said, Dad, I want to go to a pro game next year. I said, we can certainly Whoa, make that happen. Right. Awesome. And I said, and all of this is because of Taylor Swift. So I know there's a lot of, of conspiracy theorists out there. I know there's, quite frankly, a lot of losers out there who, who just don't like her. Because, and, and by the way, watching her throughout the game, she is a real one, all right? That is Brian Haydad watching Mississippi State play football up there when he's a fan. She Living and dying. dying with every every single play. I, I had a funny moment with Emily. She just looked at me in the fourth quarter. She's like, this is stressful. And I was like, try doing it every week. <laughs> try doing it in every sport. That's my life. That is my life, child. May, may I add to Taylor with, Swift with my own is, anecdote? Taylor is a winner for me. Yes, we're getting ready for church yesterday morning, and everybody's kind of scurrying around, and we're in the kitchen, and Super Bowl Sunday, and it somehow comes up just in conversation, and Francis says, Francis, who's six, goes, oh, we'll get to see Taylor Swift tonight. And I said, do you know why Taylor Swift will be at the game? She said, yeah, because of her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. I was like, Okay, then. Okay, then. And then when the game ended, we had to, we, it was ran a little bit later than the Super Bowl normally does. So all the two younger kids were well past their bedtime and we had to leave. It was in our neighborhood. So we, we, we got back home and immediately both Ava Montgomery, who's 13, and Francis, who's six, went in and turned on the television in the living room at our house as soon as we got home. I was like, what are y'all doing? You have got to go to, like, no, not yet. I'm like, what are you trying to watch? The game is over. They're like, we want to see Taylor Swift when she celebrates on the field with Travis Kelsey. I was like, okay. Anything that brings fans to the game, you should be in favor of. So, thank you, Taylor. I appreciate it. Michael Borky, winner, please. Did you guys see the video, by the way? It's going around. Uh, Jason Kelsey's my favorite athlete of... Somebody's recording Travis and Taylor, and they're in some club, and their bodyguards are around them, and like they're yeah they're smooching and doing all that stuff because they're drunk and happy celebrating a Super Bowl. And the camera pans over to the DJ booth, where Travis's cooler brother Jason has a Mexican wrestling mask on. <laughs> he's got this. Lucha libre. He's got this tight like onesie thing on, and he's just jumping up and down with the DJ, having a great time. I love that guy. He, I mean, he came to the. Uh, I, I don't know if he came to the airport or he came to the game dressed as Zach Galifianakis yeah. from The Hangover. Had the <laughs> had the European purse, the man purse, and all that. I don't know if he took any uh, any roof and all. 
and, and woke up on the roof or anything, but yeah. Why do they call it roofies when you always end up on the floor? They should kind call of, it floories. Kind of feel like <laughs> I he's he was living a real his best shooter. life. Yeah, Jason, yeah, he is right now. Jason Kelsey rocks. And he'll be man. making big money. He'll be making big money as an announcer or, or a studio host or something. Yeah. Uh, next year for sure. The, With his, the he will get that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. But the winner is the sonic boom of the South. So you oh, can, yeah. you cannot release guests' appearances or anything. They had to keep this quiet. They played in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't tell anybody about it until after it was over. Even CNN erroneously reported that it was a high school band from Atlanta. Nobody. No, sir. That was the Jackson State's sonic boom of the South in front of 150 million people while Usher was performing the halftime show, that is incredible that they got to do that. I don't know how you keep that kind of stuff quiet, but they did, and uh, and what a recognition that is. They're not the first college band that has been part of Super Bowl halftime shows. In fact, the original Super Bowl halftime shows featured college bands, if you mm-hmm. go back. Like, mm-hmm. that was the halftime show. Um Florida A&M's marching band was part of the Prince halftime show in Miami. That made sense geographically. Jackson State had to go all the way across the country to Vegas for this one. Sonic Boom, that was absolutely awesome that uh, yeah. that, that happened last night. Really, really cool. Um, I, I'll be the uh, the odd guy that goes away from the Super Bowl just for a second. On the uh, on the PGA Tour yesterday, and there may be a loser that goes along here as well. But Nick Taylor, we're still in winners here, Richard. What are we doing no, here? I know, I know. Nick Taylor, okay, was three back with four shots to play. He birdied 15, 16, and eighteen to force a playoff with Charlie Hoffman, who it looked like was going to win for the first time since like I don't know, like a decade on tour. And then they played 18 two more times, and he birdied it both times. So he birdied five of the last six holes that he played to win the WM Phoenix Open yesterday. That is big-time, big-time clutch golf. Uh, and gotta, this time this time, Adam, Adam Hadwin did not rush the green to hug him. Uh, that's what he did at the Canadian Open last year that. after he won, and he got tackled by security. He's like, ah, I just waited back this time. But uh, Nick Taylor, winner on the PGA Tour. I got a kick out. I forget who it was, but was updating that. He's like, this is happening. I'm like, you talk about nobody cares. I feel bad for the guy who's winning because, like, people are even out on the golf course probably with their phones out watching the game. Yeah, them getting delayed. Also, Borky, was a, awful. a friend of mine had your uh, had your uh, issue the other day. She was flying, on, and she was like, "There is nobody at this airport." And I was like, "Gee, I wonder why." It's the Super Bowl. Like, it's like apparently Super Bowl Sunday is the best day ever to fly. No, no lines anywhere. Super Bowl one featured at halftime the University of Arizona Symphonic Marching Band, the Grambling State Marching Band. Super Bowl two had Grambling. Super Bowl three had Florida A and M. Super Bowl four had Southern Cal's marching band. Missouri State, Southeast Missouri State, was in Super Bowl five. Uh, Michigan's band in Super Bowl seven. Texas in Super Bowl eight. Grambling again in nine. So there have been a lot of bands that have performed at halftime. Um, Southern University's band. 
so they've kind of made it a habit to to reach out to HBCUs. Uh, and what a cool getting their due for the uh, the sonic boom. That's just so cool. And you want to talk about stuff that you will remember for a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, wow. Could it be back-to-back for them next year? Could the sonic boom get the call in again with the game geographically? There's no way in, in New Orleans they don't get Grambling or Southern. They're or just, Southern. Just, they would, yeah. Yeah. They're going to get to one of the Louisiana schools, yeah. Sports you Talk Mississippi. We'll continue, uh, continue winners and losers with you right after this. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Mississippi, thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios on this Monday afternoon, the Monday after the Super Bowl, 12th of February. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Uh, I got another winner for you. Go ahead. Mississippi State's defense on Saturday night. Now, you could go to Tolu Smith if you wanted to. He had another double-double. Mm-hmm. But Mississippi State held Missouri to 34% shooting for the game. Missouri only made 16 shots. They held them to 17% from behind the arc. They made three three-point baskets. And they forced Missouri into 20 turnovers with 15 steals. State shot the ball fine. It wasn't like a blister the Nets night for Mississippi State. Tolu had a double-double, 16 for Hubbard, 14 for Shaq Moore. So they were fine offensively. But State won the way they did on the road on Saturday night against Missouri, 75-51 because of what they did defensively, not because of what they did offensively. I mean, it was a suffocating defensive performance for the Bulldogs on Saturday night as they got a nice win. Uh, to move yeah. to sixteen and eight overall, and five and six in the conference, and they have so far done what Brian Haydad said they had to do, which was win at least two, but really needing to win all three of the games that they had in front of them, and those three games were Georgia, middle of the week last week, home or on the road against Missouri, and an upcoming home game against Arkansas, or is there a road game against Arkansas also? It's it's home. It's at home. Oh, yeah, home game. Home game against Arkansas. And then they're off next weekend and don't play. After the Arkansas game, they don't play again to Ole Miss. Is that right? No. Well, that's a weekday game. They play Arkansas on Saturday. They're off. Oh, okay. They're off this week. They don't have a a midweek game this week. Correct. I I knew it was this week. I I was thinking it was next Saturday, not middle of the week. Okay. So State doesn't play again until Saturday, and then next Tuesday night they have Ole Miss and Starkville. 
It's crazy what a uh, a big win will do for your metrics. State went up. I mean, it's, that's, it's just a quad three win, winning at Missouri. But winning by the margin they did and, and the metrics that you mentioned, State went up from 44 to 35 Sunday night. They're, they're down to 36 after the uh, after all the results of yesterday, but a huge jump. And, uh, yeah, they played well, and uh, they continue to get some, some performances other than Tolu and uh, – and uh, and Hubbard, Shaq Moore was a big one, and we can't can't oversell how important Cam Matthews has been recently. I think in his last two games, he's a plus forty two overall. Ooh. I mean, just rebounding, steals, assists, and then the points he is providing been really really good for Mississippi State. Do either of you boys have any more winners? What about losers? The, the reaction to the the Travis Kelsey confrontation with Andy Reid early in that football game, I thought was bizarre. Like, could he have handled that better? Sure, but I mean, I saw somebody describe it as assault. Travis Kelsey assaulted Andy Reid, and of course, <laughs> nothing's going to happen to him. Guys, he is a gigantic human being who plays football for a living, and in a, a heated moment, he yelled at his coach of 11 years or whatever it is. It's fine. Andy Reid was asked about it after the game, and you could tell he kind of forgot about it. He's like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, that. that. He wasn't getting the ball in the first half, in the Super Bowl. He's fired up. He's a fired-up football player, and he yelled at his coach for a second. They reconciled quickly. He got the ball a ton in the second half, and they won the game. It's fine. Like, how soft we are. Assault. Assault. I mean, I, I would assume, based on Andy Reid's reaction, that he apologized to him at some point later on, and both of those grown men involved in a football game moved on quickly. Just, everything doesn't have to be hyper-analyzed. It, just, come on. Andy Reid, after the game, says, nah, it's just not a big deal. Yeah, like, he's done that before. Because it's not a big deal. He's like, give me the ball, I'll score. Or something like that. Yeah. I think that's what you probably would prefer. Though, Borky, there are a lot of people who disagree with you. Thought that that was not a good look on the field at all. I mean, it, it's not a good look. But the the overboard reactions are, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what? He's a six foot five, 250-pound football player, and he yelled at, at somebody? Oh no. Oh my gosh, they made his, his chest, brushed his shoulder? Oh! Call the police. It was pretty abrupt. Again, you should not, you shouldn't do that, but I promise you it got handled very quickly because they've worked together for a long time. There's a great rapport between the two of them. It's fine. Uh, I am told on uh, via text message that it was out of line, it was unclassy, it was a bad example, and is that what you want your kids seeing? Do you want your kids seeing... A player push a coach on the sideline. Yeah, so I can teach him not to do it. Yeah, that's pretty much the lesson I gave. Like, you can't do that. I was like, it doesn't matter who you're accusing. But, but who you're, your girlfriend accusing is. It. You you're saying you that. can't do that, and you teach him you can't do that, but at the same time, you're going, yeah, but I'm telling my kids, no, you I can't think, do I think that. The lo- I think the, the losers in this are the overreactors, yes. not Travis Kelsey. It's the overreactors. It, it yeah. just, I mean, not everything has to be. Like, like, do you really like need to shield your children from everything that's not perfect all the time? 
I mean, it was a, a, a shouting match between a football player and his coach. Nothing. No. Worse has happened. I promise. And it's different at the professional level than it is in college, certainly, and certainly right. than in high school. Yeah, it'd be different if, like, they didn't squash it. If that became an issue, then yes, it's a problem. If if Kelsey never acknowledged, like, hey, coach, my bad, man, uh, that's that's different. But, like, you know, I don't have a 12-year-old, I have a 4-year-old, but he raises his voice, and I sit him down and say, we don't talk like that. Or we were out at the grocery store the other day, and a woman snapped at her son. In what was probably an excessive way, but as parents, we've we've all been there. And he said, Daddy, that was bad. And I was like, yeah, buddy, it was. We don't talk to each other like that. But, you know, she said she was sorry. And, like, I don't know. I just, I don't think that's the uh, think about the kids moment there. Just tell them that's not okay. Yeah. Hey, Daddy, you got a loser? I do. I do. You know... You should never go half ah. You should never do that, right? You should you got to go full. And if you're going to streak at the Super Bowl, you take your by god pants off. What a joke. They're calling him a streaker. You're not a streaker. You're just an annoyance. Ridiculous. Wait, are you talking about, you talking about gonna... Usher? No, no, that's no, no, I didn't I know. No, he was just took his shirt off, which got some reaction in my home from my wife. Goodness gracious. Calm down, dear. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, like, this guy, like we got a streaker, and then I see the video of it. I'm like, that's not a streaker. We 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 will not disgrace the good name of streakers everywhere by calling this guy a streaker. He's just drunk. There's a drunk guy running out on the field. It's ridiculous. You're a loser, sir. Take your pants off next time. <laughs> the the halftime show didn't do a whole lot for me last night. Um, I will say that that I did have one comment when. When Usher took his shirt off, I, I said, you know, if I looked like that, I think I would take my shirt off a lot, too. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah. Jim has been uh, has been good to him. So, mixed reaction on the text line, 601-879-4395. Love to get your winners and losers. We'll get to those in just a second. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is a golf tournament unlike any other. And we accept that. And we even embrace that. And I need to cover the, it live. The, the weather delays that they had this weekend did not help at all. But I'm wondering if this year created some issues where they're going to have to figure out how to try and curtail the party scene just a bit. And I don't even really care about Zach Johnson being upset about being heckled by the gallery. The golfers signed up to play in this $20 million event. You know what you're getting into when you play in this event. But it felt like this year, maybe for the first time, or maybe it was just publicized a little bit more, that crowd kind of took it too far. With the heckling and with the throwing of stuff, and I don't know. No, I, I was, I've was i been reading a lot about that, and, and people that cover the event said the, the last couple of years have been different than what it's been before, and, and not a good way. Yeah. 
And so that's one of those things where it may be a little difficult to put the genie back in the bottle, to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but they're going to have to figure out a way to calm that crowd down a little. Not a lot, because it's what makes it, but they got a little... In Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. So we ask you to be a part of winners and losers. Let's get to as many of your messages as we can. There are a bunch of them today. CC did have a question, CC and Senatobi. He's like, okay, but why did the JSU band have to keep it a secret? Everybody knew Usher was performing. So they always reveal the headliner in advance. It's a big own-the-news-cycle thing that the NFL does. But they never reveal who the supplemental or accessory performers are going to be. It's like that's part of the fun speculation leading up to it. There were rumors all over the place yesterday that Justin Bieber was going to join Usher for halftime. Uh, instead, it was Alicia Keys, and then you had Lil John and Ludacris that were part of the show as well. By the way, that was the coolest-looking piano I've ever seen in my life that Alicia Keys played last night. Um, that was really, really cool. She's so talented. Um, Jeff and Ponotok says, Winner, the gallery at the TPC Scottsdale, not Sawgrass, for the Phoenix Open as well as the Barstool-esque announcers at the whole great entertainment, PGA needs more of that. Yeah, they had Smiley Kaufman and Kevin Kisner as the whole announcer at 16, and I think they had a good time. He says, loser, Taylor Swift haters, hating her because they ain't her. Um, Jared says, winner, Ludacris, and Lil John they were the highlight of the halftime show. No, they weren't. Don't disrespect Alicia Keys like that again, sir. That was my that was my complaint about the halftime show. Not enough Alicia. Yeah. I mean, I needed to hear her say "Concrete Jungle" where dreams are made of. It didn't happen, but well, it probably didn't really fit with what Usher was doing. But hey, it's okay. They were in Vegas, not New York. I get it. I get it. Uh, here's the counter to Jeff, loser. The WM Phoenix Open. The fans ruined that event finally. He says Brock Purdy is also a loser. He's like a 1977 high school quarterback. Winner Patty Mahomes, what a dude. It feels a little unfair to Brock Purdy, doesn't it? Gosh. He was okay he, yesterday. Out there running, the, out there running well. the power eye. There's nothing but a flood pass. That's all he can what? throw. 60% for 265 and a touchdown with no picks. He was only sacked one time. I thought he, I thought he was okay. Uh, Johnny in Oxford says, I watched all of the Waste Management Open. It was awesome. No pro football for me. Okay. Yeah, and I saw Zach Johnson's post-round press conference, that, and that really irked me because he said a reporter asked him, you know, when when did they lose control of the tournament? He said, I've been coming to this event 21 years. It's They lost control the whole time I've been here. Stuff like that. He kept asking the reporter who he works for and stuff like that. It was just a listening to whiny... You don't have to play in the event, It is Zach. exclusively your choice. 
But but listening to whiny millionaire golfers complain about that event, I just that that's the wrong mess. The the way they're that Zach Johnson went about it was wrong. Just it's been like this for twenty one years, and I'm so sick of it. I'm done. I had to. I'm so tired. I had to play fifty four holes yesterday. Oh no, Zach. Oh, you had to. Oh, honey, you had to play fifty four holes of golf. A tip for Zach Johnson. Don't be the worst Ryder Cup captain ever, and you wouldn't have gotten ridiculed like you did. I mean, that helps. Go win for the USA. Yeah. They would have loved you. I mean, yeah. oh, poor baby. Poor millionaire Zach Johnson had to play golf for a living, and people said mean things to you. Uh, I mean, I, I've been for, – forget football. It's hard to hear the crowd in football games. I've been to basketball games, college basketball things. The, Mar- unforgivable things were said about Marshall Henderson's sister to him. During a basketball game. And he played. He wasn't then and is not a millionaire. But he played. I mean, I heard it myself. Horrible things. But he played because that's what you do. You're a golfer. A millionaire golfer. Cry me a river. If they need to tone it down, talk to the organizers. Use your platform for good. But going after a reporter at who do you work for? Oh, it's been, it's been bad. All right, back to years. winners and losers. <laughs> Zach Johnson's a loser, were, absolute loser. Were, were you were you irked or were you peeved? I can't. I, it's I, just uh, insane. May, I feel like you may have been enraged. You're a millionaire golfer. Uh, winner, the young lady and her backup, who's saying "Lift Every Voice and Sing." It was the most gorgeous version of that song I've ever heard. Um. Oh, no. Let's see here. My 11-year-old daughter, this goes back to one of Hey Dad's original winners. When he talked about his daughter being engaged in football for the first time in her life, he says, my 11-year-old daughter, Emily, saw a picture of Jason Kelsey on my Facebook and said, that's Travis Kelsey's brother. And she only knows that because of Taylor Swift. Okay? Uh, Winner, Kylie Kelsey. That's the wife of Jason Kelsey, Loves the Eagles so much that she won't wear any Chiefs gear. She instead wore a Cincinnati Bearcats shirt at the game last night. So she went with red, but not Chiefs. Okay. Uh, My 14-year-old and 12-year-old boys can't stand watching Chiefs games because they can't stand Taylor Swift. It goes both ways. Fair. She was shown for 52 seconds last night. I don't think your kids like football. Uh, Let's see here. Way to go, Hey Dad. Hey Dad is a winner. A lot of people are ripping on Romo today, by the way. Story of my life. Yeah, true. But did you think he was as bad as as everybody's Uh, saying he was today? Who? Romo. Who? Oh, no, I think it was fine. You, You can't talk over the winning play in a Super Bowl. You gotta let it breathe. They just won the Super Bowl. Shut your pie hole for 45 seconds and then explain what happened when they showed the replay. But yeah, I thought otherwise he was fine. Uh, Neil and McGee, winner, winners. Chastity Warren and Ava Warren Davis for representing our great country at the Dixie National Rodeo. It was in Jackson. They killed it. Proud husband and dad. Good for you, Neil. Very cool. Uh, 
Oh, hey, Dad, that was in response to the time with your daughter for the Super Bowl. We got another. That's a great day. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, winner. Uh, Loretta in West Point says, our eight-year-old granddaughter watched the Super Bowl with us because of Taylor Swift. Uh, Lisa in Clara, loser, the Mississippi State women's team yesterday. What I miss? They did lose. Okay, lost. So, like, quite literally. Okay. <laughs> That's the, the most basic way we could describe this segment, yes. Um, here's one, Taylor Swift, both sides of the coin. Winner, Taylor Swift chugging on camera. Loser, Taylor Swift chugging on camera in front of every little girl in America. <laughs> My daughter thought it was hilarious. I think by the end of that game, if you watch when you watch when they score the touchdown, and you take a look at her, she's a little tipsy. She's having a good time up there. Well, yeah. She's probably sleep deprived too after the long flight home from Tokyo. Well, that she got in a time machine and got home before her concert. Pounding the brewskis. Yeah. Um, loser Travis Kelsey yelling and pushing his coach. Yeah. Uh, big time winner Paramount Plus with the best commercial with Creed playing in the background. You sure it wasn't? Uh, no, it's not Creed. Never mind. <laughs> I was just going to make a Pat uh, Pat Green what, Pat Green reference. Uh, you sure it was Creed, and not Pat Green? And it was not Pat Green. Uh, do we have any others? I thought the Arnold commercial was the best one. Uh, loser. Iowa women choking in the last period, up fourteen yeah. on the road at Nebraska, and Caitlin Clark not getting the record. And oh, by the way, Kelsey Plumley. The current record holder, all-time leading scorer in women's basketball, tweeting at her, great job on the record, congratulations. She goes, oh, my bad, better luck next game. (laughs) (laughs) She gets to do that at home, though, which that'll be a four-figure ticket. Oh, loser. My mom not knowing who Ice Spice was and looking up her music and finding out. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. She said her saying her saying some of her song names to me over the phone made me laugh until my side hurt. So Obi and I snuck out to hit golf balls for just a few minutes yesterday and I was like, Oh, Taylor's at the Super Bowl, Obi. Like, who is that with it? It's like Taylor and Blake Lively and Ice Spice. Who's Ice Spice? Obi goes, Ah, she's a singer. I was like, Okay. I'm reading this That's list right now. That's all you need to know. I need, That's all you need to know. Uh, I need somebody. Can we read? The, can we? What names can we read on the air? Oh, a lot of them actually, but it's just what they are that that makes it so. I need somebody's grandma to call me and and just read hey, we, these yeah, we, songs we, to we, me. We please. don't need to play cards of humanity or cards against humanity on the air. That's that's not a, <laughs> maybe not a good plan here. <laughs> maybe oh, not the great. best plan. All right, those are your winners and losers. Thank you for participating on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. We got more coming up with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm.
start the 5 o'clock hour with College Football Fix. Just a few minutes from right now, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. It's brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. M-Trade Park in Oxford. Visit them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. It's the part where I'm supposed to tell you about the tournaments coming up. they got softball or fast pitch coming up this weekend and baseball the next weekend. But let's use this opportunity. We mentioned it last week to uh, – Tip our cap one more time to Brad Freeman, who was the back judge in the Super Bowl. If you watch the coin toss, and 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 he got double the t- TV time on the coin toss. He got the pregame coin toss and the overtime coin toss, where he's standing there right next to the uh, referee. I thought they let him play last night, and the last thing we want to see is a laundry fest in the Super Bowl. Uh, there's some things that you got to throw a flag on because they're egregious. There were some people that didn't like the uh, the defensive holding call, especially late in the game when you're like, hey, they've been doing it the whole game. You've been letting them play. Don't throw a flag now. But I thought it was a well-officiated game. And what a cool career achievement moment for Brad Freeman to uh, to have that opportunity to go to Vegas and then to get an epic game. And I know it started a little slow. It's only the second overtime in Super Bowl history. It's hard to fathom. And this was Super Bowl 58. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. 58th Super Bowl and only the second to go to overtime. And the overtime rules were, were unique this go-around. And part of the reason that the overtime rules are were tweaked, if I remember correctly, is because how overtime played out in the last Super Bowl. Like if, if maybe I'm old and I'm forgetting, but I, I feel like that was a massive topic of conversation for us. It was an AFC Championship game because he did it to Josh Allen. That's right, and 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 we talked a lot about the fact that the Bills never got a chance. Yeah, and the debate you got a trip was to the Super Bowl hanging in the balance, and they never even had a chance to touch the football in overtime. It was. It was a good rule change. Sometimes we change rules just for the sake of changing rules. <clears throat> that was a good rule change. Can you imagine if that game had ended because San Francisco won the coin toss and got the ball first and kicked a field goal and it was over? Terrible. That would have been awful. Yeah. Um, so, good stuff. Um, all that, though, kind of ties into. Uh, uh, congratulations to a well-deserved and a well-earned opportunity for Brad Freeman. Uh, you, you never know, right? It, it's like it's like if you get the opportunity to play a golf course that you absolutely love and you thought you'd never have a chance to get to play, and you soak up every second because you don't know if you'll ever get to do it again. Brad has no way of knowing if he'll ever get to work another Super Bowl. He probably should because he's that good at his job. There's a lot involved that goes into that. And so if that's the only one, he becomes part of a pretty small group of officials that have ever had that opportunity. And that's really cool. Um, and we don't really have time to do it here, but let's squeeze this in. Hey, Dad. Let's go back to Mississippi State's basketball game. I know that was part of winners and losers that we talked about earlier. I thought it was a good win, but it was a win that Mississippi State had to have. But they, they played really well, especially on the defensive end, and just dominated played, in that win on Saturday uh, night. 
They played really well in the second half. The first the first half was not a great half of basketball for State. Only up four. They missed a lot of shots. They weren't okay. that. By the way, five of fifteen from the free throw line too in this game. So I mean, if we're going to nitpick there. That that's that's not a good stat line there. Not a lot of games where you can be that bad on the free throw line and still win by twenty plus. Um, Missouri obviously not a very good team, but they one finished, thing I always say, I say I've, they finished ten of twenty one. Yeah, but they were, well, they were five of fifteen at one point. I want to okay. say I could be wrong. Okay, so they they um where was I going there? You threw me Sorry. off. Well, one thing I always say is you know a good team when they play a bad team they should beat them badly, mm-hmm. and that's what you you saw here. Is the state goes up to Missouri? Missouri's not a very good team, and then by the end of the game all the, all the backups are in because you're beating them badly enough. The key for state is is what it's going to be all year. Hubbard and Tolu are going to get their points. So it's who's around them. And in this game, it was Shaq Moore showing up with, with getting some points. And the, 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 the reemergence of Keyshawn Murphy, bringing him back in, he had 10 points Wednesday night against Georgia. He had seven points in this game. Just being able to give them some more flexibility and give them some more minutes. Um, and then we'll see what happens. Jan said today that he is hopeful that both Trey Fort and DJ Jeffries will be back for Arkansas, but, but you would think certainly have a chance to be back next week uh, for Mississippi State. Well, that's good news. I mean, you would like to be at full strength for the the stretch run of the season, and uh, Trey Ford can give you a little more depth at guard, give you the ability, if he's hot, to make some shots, and obviously DJ Jeffrey's presence on the floor, it means a lot on both ends of the floor. Maybe even more so on the defensive end because he's such a physical defender. So that's good news. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour, college football fix, coming up next. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, Mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you groove. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of nonstop entertainment, whether it's world-class gaming, outstanding dining options, Dancing Rabbit, or Geyser Falls when it warms up a little bit more, or maybe you're looking for live music and fun events They've got you covered at Pearl River Resort. Don't forget you've got some events that are on the horizon. Ron White is sold out for later this month. But you can still get tickets for Cool in the Gang at the Silver Star Convention Center on Saturday, March 16th. The Wallflowers coming up on May 4th. And Brian McKnight on June 29th. Also, a couple of big concert announcements that are coming in the next week or so at Pearl River Resort. We will let you know as soon as those are made public. PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire.com is your home for everything that's going on, including your chance to win in the Ceasefire College Baseball Season Ticket Sweepstakes. 
Just go to the website, cspire.com, and click on the link at the top of the page for your chance to win season tickets to Jackson State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, or Southern Miss. Again, that's online at cspire.com. Glad to be with you. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. It's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Really, really sad news over the weekend in the world of college football. Um, Alabama lost its new offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb. <laughs> you had me. You got me. You Thank got you. For a second, my, in my brain, I was like, did I miss something? I thought I kept up pretty good. Nope. Nope. Richard's making a joke. Set the alarm. I do it every now and then. It happens yeah. on occasion. Sometimes. I'll write the jokes around here. Sometimes they're even funny. Uh, yeah, new head coach at Alabama, Kalen DeBoer, had brought Ryan Grubb along with him to be the offensive coordinator. And uh, I don't know that it had people like shaking in their boots, but if you watch what Washington did offensively over the last couple of years, you're like, okay, this is impressive. How impressive? Well, so impressive that the Seattle Seahawks decided to hire Ryan Grubb away from the University of Alabama, and he is headed back to the Pacific Northwest. I don't know how hot their real estate market is, but um, might might even still have his house. Might, oh, might not even have to. No, there's no doubt. The, the, this move happened a while ago. Okay. Well, they, they delayed the. But but there's there's a problem. There's another layer to this story. Uh, according to the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I guess according to a story in the Seattle Times, from sourcing with the Seattle Seahawks, they waited to make the announcement that he was coming back to be the offensive coordinator with the Hawks until the 30-day transfer window portal at Alabama had closed. Trying to pull an old fast one on the Crimson Tiders that stuck around to be part of this New coaching staff, this new era of Alabama football. Didn't need any uh, miscreants that were hitting the road a little early because they weren't sure exactly what the offense was going to look like. Had a great guy coming in to call plays. Prolific offense. Plenty to point to. But then. Offensive line coach, too, by the way. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. Seattle. Appreciate the, uh, the help. You know, the... Lying to recruits and players and transfers is is not uncommon. It happens all the time. Every high school, almost every high school recruit gets lied to in one way or another, or things are exaggerated uh, either about the school that they are hoping they attend or a school that they might be attending. I mean, negative recruiting happens, and most of it's not true. A lot of stuff is used against schools that is not based in reality. Lying is part of the game. It's a shady game. It is what it is. But we now exist in a college football world where Alabama had to 
do this to avoid losing more players to other schools. They had such a mass exodus in the portal that this happened to avoid it being worse. And I'm trying to remember the timing. When did the when did the five star receiver from Alabama ultimately commit? Was it after DeBoer was hired? Yes. Yes. It was on signing day, wasn't it? Or like the day before. Yes. Wait. Which signing day? The 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 the, the February one. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe so. I, I don't remember when the timing of that was. What, what was his name? Ryan. Um, Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams, number one receiver in the country, five star. I gotta believe that part of the reason that he decided to stay at Alabama, and my guess is that there were multiple reasons. But part of the reason that he stayed at Alabama is this new coaching staff showcased what he could be in this office with Ryan Grubb calling plays. Ryan Williams signed on January 24th, but committed earlier than that, I think, right? I, man, I've lost track. He couldn't have signed. He committed on January 24th. Committed he on, January, have 24th. on January 24th. Okay. So... You would think that that was part of the sales pitch to get him. There's no doubt. My, my guess is that there was a significant NIL package that was available to him as well, but frankly, he could have gotten a significant NIL package a lot of places. And, and so, just kind of makes you wonder a little bit. Did did they do this specifically for him? Are there more players that either wouldn't have committed, wouldn't have signed, or would have entered the transfer portal if Alabama had been forthcoming about this? Yeah. And it's stuff like this. If you hate the portal, this is why it exists. This right here. This is why this happens. Hmm. This is why when coaches complain about it, I tune it out because they do stuff like this. This is not unique to Alabama. Alabama is the, the one that's getting mocked today, but stuff like this is not unique to Alabama. Guys get promised playing time where the coaches, after they hang up the phone, know that, hey, that kid's not playing when he gets here. I mean, that's a common practice in recruiting. I mean, make your jokes, but Richard, you know all about what coaches at other schools say to players that are considering Ole Miss about Ole Miss in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, I think it's less than it used to be. Because it but gets proven wrong yeah, so often. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, you've had you certainly have had coaches who have tried to tried to go down that road. Yeah, but th- that's why I, th- stuff like this is why I just I, I tune out the complaining coaches because you do stuff like this. Guys went to Alabama or stayed at Alabama, assuming that Ryan Grubb was going to be their play caller. And they knew he wasn't going to be, but they let them think that, enroll in school, and go to class without a chance to, to get out or explore their options. It's it's misleading at best. It's lying at worst. And 
So if, if that's going to be part of your practice, then I'm not going to feel bad for you when those players leave. If you run an honest program that players want to play for, they don't leave that much. I mean, that's the thing. It's All the complaining I see is, oh, all the players leave every year. No, they don't. No, they don't. Make your program one that players want to play in, and they won't leave it. Well, and there was an inevitability that players were going to leave after the greatest head coach of all time in college football decided to move on. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that just, was going to happen. That's something you just got to wear. And, and Caitlin DeBoer, this thing's going to stabilize for him, and, and they'll be just fine. I, I'm, I'm not really all that concerned as to whether or not Alabama's going to figure things out with this new head, head coach and this coaching staff. And look, Caitlin DeBoer, I think, has a reputation as being a really good offensive mind. Ryan Grubbs was his play caller, was his offensive coordinator, and clearly was thought highly enough of that an NFL team come and said, hey, we want you. And he's gone. I don't think this necessarily means that Alabama's offense is going to be terrible. I think the bigger part of the story is, though, that it's gotten out that Alabama and Seattle intentionally waited until the transfer portal window closed before they announced this. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I was scrolling back to the ceasefire text line during the break, and there were about four different messages. We're like, Richard, did you say Super Bowl Swifty 8? Yes, I did. It's a joke that we've been rolling with for a week now. Um, I, I read that online somewhere a week ago, and it made me chuckle. And I've worked it in intermittently over the last eight days. Yeah, but yeah. It's just just a joke. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not trying to shove Tay Tay down your throat. Not at all. Just having a little fun. Um, we have yet to talk about the halftime show. But by the way. We did a little. Talked about Sonic Boom. The Sonic Boom and the fact that there was a shortage of Alicia Keys, but thoughts? Didn't do a whole lot for me. I was disappointed. I wanted it to My be. My wife loved it. Yeah. It's like all Super Bowl halftime shows, though. There are very there there are polarizing opinions about the show. I'm not like mad about it. I didn't think it was terrible. Just kind of like, eh. Didn't do much for me. The roller skate stuff was cool, but I mean. Again, yeah, we. I, I'm not. Yes, I missed that. I, I about seven minutes into the halftime show, it was uh, reported by another young child that uh, our young child had had a injury, and so my uh, my my attention for the remainder of the halftime show was. In fairness, I should go back and watch the last four or five minutes of uh, the last four or five minutes were the best. Four okay. or five minutes of it, because that's well, when Ludacris and Little John showed up, and it was about the time that they came on stage that they said Francis was hurt. Yeah, I mean that that was music at like all the parties and stuff like that I grew up on. That was on. I saw a, a meme last night about if you didn't, you know, download these songs illegally on your parents' computer using LimeWire, then you don't understand how great the co- the show was and, and all that. So. No, I, I'm with you. And then Borky doesn't even know what Napster was. I know what Napster was. Absolutely. 
It, it, it evolved pre, the precursor the to LimeWire. Your time on Morpheus. I don't want to hear from you. Oh, and then everybody told you that the FBI was going to come knocking at your door if you kept downloading music on LimeWire. They, they did to some. They did. But, uh, and, and there were there were guy. a few people that got popped with big, big, big penalties. Oh, and then the one kid in the neighborhoods I mean, finally got a CD burner. And so he went over to their house and downloaded mm-hmm. thousands of songs on his parents' computer to burn our CDs. Yeah, that was all Usher and stuff like that. But uh, he, uh, you know, he's, he's getting older, so this isn't exactly a fair criticism, but he probably should have done a little bit more cardio work before trying to put on a show like that. Looked like he ran out of gas there a few times. The man was sweating. He was hard. actually singing too. He was. Yeah. Bonus points for that. No sunglasses. That one. That one didn't hit. Other than Reba going too long on the national anthem with her last of the brave, um, thumbs up on Reba's national anthem. Perfectly yeah. acceptable. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not one that stands out from the crowd, but it's all. She also did nothing. To detract, I thought it was beautiful. It had good tempo to it. She didn't try to hit notes that at this point in her music career she is less able to hit than maybe she would have been able to 20, 30 years ago. thought it was beautifully done. That's how the anthem should be done. Don't sing it. Malone was good, too. Yeah, he was. I'm always intrigued when we get singers that perform in a certain genre or look a certain way who go into a more serious mode where they're just singing and people are like, whoa, they can really sing. Like for a long time it felt like with Lady Gaga, people just thought she was kind of a freak show but didn't really pay attention to her voice. And then there were some instances where you got the voice and you're like, Oh, I mean, wear a meat dress if you want to. Just sing, baby, because <laughs> she can sing. Um. So yeah, I will. I will watch the uh, the last five minutes or so of the uh, halftime show that I missed last night. I made absolutely it, should. Like like about the time his shirt came off was. That also was a prop that we didn't do on this show, but that was one. Yeah. That, that would have been an easy yes. 100%. That's because he got hot. He was sweating so bad. He had to. You don't even think it was planned? No. <laughs> I'm just hot. I'm just coming out no. of all this stuff. Nah. He's, you're ripped like that. You're taking your shirt off. Yeah. So. Yeah. If I was ripped like that, I would do this show without a shirt on. I'm not. Hey, Dad, you don't have anything to worry about, bud. I started an exercise program. Be like, all right, well, oh, my camera stopped working. I don't know what's up. Hmm. That would be a spectacle. So what should they do next year? Super Bowl in New Orleans. If you were booking it, who would you pick? Harry Connick Jr. He would be one of them. I, I thought about this earlier today. I think if you're going to have a Super Bowl in New Orleans... He's not going to be the headliner. No, but I think you should do a mashup of there, all yeah. kinds of... I mean, the artist list from New Orleans. I mean, you've got like Lil Wayne and Master P, right? Like like rappers. Master P. But, no limit. But Let's you've got go. Harry Connick Jr. You've got people like Trombone Shorty. I think Lean hard into this is New Orleans music and and do it all. 
That would be really cool. Now, that's probably what they won't do because they want to do mass appeal and get 150 million people to watch. But if you're doing a halftime show around New Orleans right, that's what you do. Next year will be Taylor Swift. It, 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 they got a whole year to get her to get her to say yes. Hmm. You think? I think. I don't know. I kind of feel like she's coming at it from a as a football fan thing, though. I mean, I, sure I, I agree, but she she probably thinks the Chiefs are going to be playing in the Super Bowl and. I'm not sure she wants to be focused on a halftime show during the Super Bowl. Hey, you might be right. And if ever there was an artist that didn't need the Super I thought that, so somebody was telling me that. I have not watched this, but they got like Do- Usher, what's Dollar General Taylor Swift then? Olivia Rodrigo? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Um, Those shows are not for me. I, I, I am not the, they the demographic. So Usher was on 60 Minutes. The Sunday prior to the Super Bowl, apparently, and said it was a great interview. And he talked very openly about performing at the Super Bowl as something that he had always wanted to do, and that he it made it the biggest night of his life. Well, that's cool. It really is because, you know, like when you had the conversations with Katy Perry and whatever, it's like I don't play for free. And historically, the Super Bowl has not paid its music acts. At half time. I mean, they pay the people that perform on the field and all that stuff. But in terms of, like, writing a big check for a performer at halftime. Although that does seem a little chintzy from the NFL these days. Like, just pay for it. Go get the biggest star you can get and pay for it. Did you like the shots of the sphere? Yeah, the sphere is really cool. I do want to see a show in that thing. The videos are unbelievable. I just want to see the eye of the tiger on it this this August. Yeah, Dead and Company doing a residency there this summer. If, I mean, if you're a Grateful Dead fan, give me David Glimmer. And I don't even do stuff like that. That's never been me. Trust me, Paul. You don't if do, you're listening, don't I, do stuff like that. Huh? I, I don't. don't do, I don't do stuff like that. But marijuana. I love Pink Floyd and having Pink Floyd's music with those slow builds, man, and and all the creative stuff they do inside that thing would be awesome. And again, I would not. I do not do that stuff. Never have. It's fine. You don't have to give the disclaimer every time you mention music that you don't smoke weed. You're so defensive. But I just don't want the perception out there that I'm going home and and doing drugs. That is not part of what I do. I just happen to enjoy the music that people that do drugs makes. It's a weird weird thing. What were the Pink Floyd? Laser Floyd? Is that what all the shows were that people talked about for... It's Pink Floyd with lasers, yeah. Wasn't it called Laser Floyd? Is that Pink Floyd with frickin' laser beams on their head? That was was your time, not mine. I only grew to appreciate them in the later years. Pink Floyd was neither of our times. (laughs) They were were much bigger before we were born. Pink Floyd Laser Spectacular called Laser Floyd. All right, there you go. But imagine that in the sphere. Yeah, with with, with that technology. Um, Shine on you crazy diamond with I mean, that. Yeah, buddy. 
You could do an ABBA sing-along in the sphere, and it would be fun. True. Uh, True. It, it just looks really, really cool. I mean, Blippy on Ice would probably be awesome in there. Yeah, we got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Let's go back and uh, round up the weekend in SEC basketball and look at what's coming up this week. We'll do that when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Do you guys see J.J. Watt on the uh, pregame or halftime show last night? Did you, did you out see of American Pie? Did, did you did you see J.J. Watt on Twitter? He says, "You ever switch up your hair and wonder if anyone will notice? They notice. They notice. <laughs> well done by uh, well done by J.J. Watt." Um. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hoops from around the SEC this weekend. We talked about Mississippi State winning over Missouri, 75-51. to Good win for the Bulldogs. Ole Miss was off on Saturday. They returned to action Tuesday night. Uh, they played a late game in Lexington. It's a 9 o'clock Eastern time tip-off at uh, Rupp Arena. Kentucky has lost three in a row at home, and they've lost four times at home this season. Borky asked us the question this morning, does that mean you're getting them at a good time or a bad time? I mean, there's part of you, it's like, you know, the law of averages probably plays in Kentucky's favor. And then there's the other part of it, you go, they don't lose three in a row at home, but something's not wrong. And the thing that's wrong is they don't play a lick of defense. Could be a high-scoring affair on Tuesday night if Ole Miss makes say this. Then the other side of that coin is that Ole Miss doesn't play any defense either. So, yeah, yeah we, should, we, we should get a good quality shootout of a basketball game. Yeah, and Ole Miss had the, the bye. I guess that's what we can call it now. So while Kentucky no, was... No, 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 not a bye. Not a bye. Open day. Not a bye. No, the, the open date. They had the open date on Saturday where Kentucky no, was. No, 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 hold on. You get so hung up I, no, about don't call right. it I fall just, camp. I'm, I'm in the middle of, of something here, and, and now I don't even I don't even remember. Oh, but Richard was in the middle of something the other day, but Saban retires. You just interrupt him. Yeah, and I would do it again. <laughs> oh, Turn grammar police are here now, apparently. <laughs> Nick Saban retiring is a little bit different. No, but yeah, the uh, the open date. Uh, came at an opportune time for them, right? Kentucky had to battle it out and suffer another, suffered another frustrating loss. And Rupp has not been friendly to Ole Miss. What is it, two wins ever in Rupp? Uh, so it'll still be difficult on on tomorrow night. 
But I can't imagine that's a Kentucky fan base that's going to be super jacked up to go to the game tomorrow night either. So maybe you get a bit more subdued rough than what you typically get because those people are ready to get Cal out of town. Which is hard to do with a guy who has a lifetime contract. Was so, it a $46 million buyout or something like that? Yeah, if they it's, were to, uh, yeah it's, uh, Cal's going to leave when Cal wants to leave. Dipping endowment. But if it's a lifetime contract, I mean, how do we negotiate the buyout number? Well, maybe Kentucky you are literally to, uh, employed here for as long as you want to be. How much do we have to they, pay you they, to go away? They might, they might have to turn to some other Italians, and and you know, just ooh, ooh. Um, for what it's worth, that Gonzaga at Kentucky game on Saturday good was game. spectacular. Really good game. And, and Rupp Arena was hopping in a way that it doesn't hop very often. It's a big arena that they, they knew they needed up. it. Yeah. They knew they needed that game, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Um, Reed Shepard is really, really, really good. Good player. Good player. Uh, underutilized on that Kentucky team. Um, Texas A&M curb stomped Tennessee 85-69. Big win for the Aggies. Yeah, what's that all about? A&M played really well. Tennessee didn't shoot it great. Got that big old crowd sawing Varsity's horns off, and everybody was feeling good and right, and it worked for Buzz and the boys. Played I well. did have somebody say played to really me, well. seeing a team lose like that at this point of the season makes it really hard for me to envision them playing in the Final Four. I was like, Maybe something to that. Yeah. Same can be said about Auburn, too, then, huh? I about to say, and then you saw two teams that you would think would might could be Final Four teams. Get Florida handled. Beat, Florida Auburn beat the handled. donkey out of Auburn on Saturday. They lost by the, the final margin is, what, 16 points? And, I mean, it could have been double that. Yeah. Florida looked good. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a blot, just okay team, but they murdered them. Yeah. I mean, that, that, Florida beat Auburn 81 65. It's the same Florida team that Ole Miss scored 103 on earlier this year. But it's also the same Auburn team that's beaten Ole Miss twice. <sighs> Hard to win on the road? I mean, is that, is that what we go back to? That's a little bit different I mean, than hard to win on the road, though, when right? When this is, when this season's over, I really want to go back and look at the home road splits this year versus like the past three or four years. Cause it feels like this year the home teams are holding serve a lot more than they have in the past. Top 15 teams, uh, their record uh, on the road are especially bad uh, compared to the, the typical trend in college basketball. So it's uh, transcending the SEC as well. Some people are pointing to, well, this is what the portal gives you. I'd like to see another year or two of this happening before we call it a, a trend, but it's something to keep an eye on. Boys, there is a star in the making in the SEC. Nobody probably really knows his name outside of Columbia, South Carolina, the freshman Colin Murray Boyles. South Carolina trailed by four at the half to Vanderbilt at home on Saturday. And then they outscored them by 19 in the second half and won by 15. 
Seventh straight win for South Carolina. That is a good basketball team, and the freshman Colin Murray Boyles had 31 points and seven rebounds, and he did it on 14 of 17 shooting, and six of the seven rebounds were offensive rebounds. He had a day. And South Carolina rolled in the second half of that game. Gamecocks are now 21-3, and and they are tied with Alabama atop the SEC standings at 9-2. and I think we are now past the point of, are the Gamecocks for real? The answer is yes, but the upcoming stretch for South Carolina is tough. They go to Auburn Wednesday night. They come back home for LSU next Saturday. Then they get a week off before making the trip to Oxford. They've still got to go to A&M. They've got Florida at home, Tennessee at home, who they've already beaten on the road. And they close out the regular season on the road at Mississippi State on the 9th of March. I think five of their final seven games are all quad one games. Bulldogs say, welcome to our world. But South Carolina is just, they're just good. It's a good thing. Pick to finish last in the SEC? That is a true statement, yes. They are not going to finish last in the SEC. Hey, maybe some of that energy will work its way west in baseball. How about we have some of that? Some of what energy? Yeah, that sounds like the, a great idea. Uh, outperforming by 14 spots oh, the oh, preseason yeah. projection. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh, Arkansas beat Georgia as well. So the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, or whatever you call them these days, uh, get a win. That's their third SEC win. There's some people that call them other things these days. Made-up nicknames and the like. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff around that Arkansas. Yeah, a lot of people talking about Musselman uh, taking the soon-to-be-open Louisville job and then obviously leaving behind an opening at Arkansas. Yeah, I just... I made the comment. I made the comment on the podcast today that I, I'm looking forward to next year's Kentucky Louisville game, a matchup between Nate Oates and Chris Beard. <laughs> um, One day you're going to get your wish that a good old Miss coach is going to leave. One day you're, you're going to speak it into existence. I hear you. I uh, this is. I think Ole Miss fans would sleep a whole lot better if Eric Musselman didn't leave Arkansas after the season. Think Beard might look at Arkansas. If I'm Louisville, I think Ole Miss fans would sleep a whole lot better. If I heard you, yeah, yeah, I'm not going any farther than that. I'm I'm not. I'm not. If I'm Louisville, would much rather have Beard, I think, than than Musselman. Yeah. Ceasefire text line, yeah, just when I thought Tennessee and Auburn were elite, they both got destroyed. Auburn hasn't won in Florida. Yeah, Auburn has not won at Florida in basketball since 1989, I believe. Don't they have a like 17-year football losing streak? I, they haven't played much, but it's been that long in football. And then baseball, also they haven't won a series there in, in that period nah, of time. They've won, in Flo- they've won in football more recently than that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. There was the Frank Sanders game down there. Yeah. Or was that at home? No, that was in the swamp, wasn't it? In, oh, it's, it's got to be in Florida? In uh, Florida, yeah. Well, I mean, 
You got uh, the kicker chomping the crowd. I don't forget what year that was. That was like 03 or 04. My gosh, dog. That was 03 or 04 20 years ago, Brian. 2007 is the last time Auburn won in Gainesville in football. Mm. When's the last time they played there, though? How many times have they played there in that time? One other time. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. From the Venable Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, one last time. This is opening baseball weekend, and we got a lot of it coming your way. Mississippi State hosting Air Force this weekend. Uh, Ole Miss on the road against Hawaii. By the way, Southern Miss, um, after their opening series this weekend, will play next Monday. Uh, texted... A little bit with uh, Coach Ostrander earlier today, excited to announce that he will be joining us uh, each Monday during the baseball season, as we've done with Coach Barry at Southern Miss the last few years. Really looking forward to not just visiting with him, but getting to know him. Um, Southern Miss starts with Marist. They play them Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they will have a Monday game. So uh, Air Force getting an extra game while they're in the state of Mississippi after playing in Starkville for three on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They'll head into Hattiesburg and we'll play Southern Miss on Monday. We'll talk to Coach Oz on Tuesday of next week, uh, and then we'll get into that Monday format going forward. So we certainly look forward to that. So Ole Miss a long way from home in Hawaii. Southern Miss opening at home against Marist and then playing Air Force on Monday. And Mississippi State opening the season with Marist. <clears throat> I'm sorry, with Air Force. And hey, Dad. What was it? You got game times today? Is that what you were telling us earlier? Yeah, we, we did it. Our did national not nightmare is over. Uh, no, we talked about we it on Friday. So ten thirty one this morning. No game times we did not roster. Have official game times. Not on the website. We still don't have a roster. We're still missing that. We also don't have any game times for any non conference games prior to the start of SEC play. A lot going on. Why? Well, you ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. You ready? Good question. Uh, Thanks. I don't know the answer to that, though. I, I don't know. I, I, I gave it a look. All thir- the 13 of the other teams in the conference all have a roster up. Uh, 12 out of thir- uh, prior to today, 12 out of uh, 14 had all of their opening weekend times up. The only other one that didn't was Auburn. This is very much a Cohen thing. Uh, Auburn didn't have their Friday game time. They had Saturday, Sunday. 
I don't know the answer. It's just another thing to be aggravated about. So so this is for the entire non-conference schedule, not just for the first couple of Like, I kind of get it for the first couple of weekends because the, the weather the, generally the, the, stinks the, the and games they have to move after, around a lot. The games after uh, the, the first SEC game, do you have times for those? State has times for the Southern game down in uh, Pearl and the two games they play in Biloxi. All of their home games... Prior to this week, prior to prior to ten thirty one this morning, there were no times set for any games played at Duty Noble Field in February or prior to March fifteenth, uh, and no roster, and still no roster. I mean, whatever they're going to play games, and we're going to find out yeah. the time of the games before they actual play, actually play. Mm-hmm. And this is not me going. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Put a schedule out with times on it. It's not hard. I'm preaching to the choir here. We play non-conference. Me and and Robbie in our rants about this. We've been doing the last two days. I I just, like, this is the time we play our non-conference home games. Right. I mean, like, you don't even. If you change the time, you change the time. You do it every week in in conference play. If you have rain, you change the time. You, You don't even need Ole Miss to print times on its schedule because Mike Bianco has played all of his games at basically the same time for 21 years. Prior to the time changing, Friday games will be at 4 o'clock. Saturday games will be at noon, generally speaking, unless they move the time because of a home basketball game. And Sunday will be set because of travel. Once you get to conference play, all home Friday games, unless TV dictates otherwise, will be at 6.30. Mm-hmm. This is easy. All of your home SEC games will be at 1 o'clock unless t- uh, TV dictates otherwise until it warms up and then you play them all at 4 o'clock. It's... So State is a 4-4-1 this weekend. 4 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, so it doesn't no, no, no. conflict with the uh, basketball game, and then 1 o'clock on Sunday. Good to know. So be great. I will not be there for opening day because I'll be right here. Southern Miss is... Four, oh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think I closed their schedule. Oh, no, I've still got it here. Four, six, and one? Yeah. Four o'clock on Friday, six o'clock on Saturday night, one o'clock on Sunday, and then four o'clock on Monday afternoon. That'll be fun on Friday. We'll have baseball going on while we're on the air. As always, yeah. cool the first couple of weekends of the season. And then if you want to watch Ole Miss baseball, Right now, the first game of the four is scheduled to be a televised game, and I think it'll be on ESPN+. Plus. The other three, not scheduled that way. First pitch for the season opener, 10.30 Central Time. Thanks for being with us. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.